0: Exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, this is The Cumberland Road. I'm your host, T.J. Melinowski. Today, the Reverend Dr. Perrin Rice joins me on Cumberland Road. Perrin is the senior pastor of the Lake Highlands Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. His wife is Terry and his son, is Jonathan, and he is currently at Tulsa University and they have a daughter, Lauren, who's just started high school. Perrin is a member of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, Cumberland Presbyterian Church in America, and a member of the Presbyterian Church USA. Now, something you may not know about Perrin is that as of this past November, he is a black belt in taekwondo. He's a former stand-up comedian and R&B singer, but former does not mean that it's not still in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> he's the author of one book called 66 Devotions from 66 Great Books and he's currently got some other book projects going. And his schooling includes graduate from Bethel College, now Bethel University, uh, Bright Divinity School and Austin Theological Seminary, where he got his doctorate of ministry. Perrin, thank you for joining me today on Cumberland Road.
1: Hey, TJ. Thank you for having me been looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, For those who are listening, it took a little while for us to be able to get our schedules to match and uh, here we are Mm -hmm. in early 2021. Perrin, you have an extensive background with the Cumberland Presbyterian Church and family that comes with that, and your roots are deep. So I want to begin there, and even beforehand, and can you recall, and do you mind sharing, your earliest encounter with God?
1: Absolutely. Um, tell you, it's, it's funny, when when you talk to my parents, they argue over how Cumberland am I um, <laughs> one will say I'm, I'm a fifth generation Cumberland Presbyterian. The other one will say, well, no, he's got to be a sixth generation. If you count my family and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, but, <laughs> you know, but it, 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 so, it, it,
0: it's, it's, it's. <laughs> so your mom and pop are telling you what generation you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and then on top of
1: that, you throw in their grandchildren, my kids, it it becomes a uh, heated discussion over there. Now, mind you, my parents have a lot of heated discussions these days. They're both old <laughs> and old and, and, and cranky. So, <laughs> but no, let me, let me answer your, let me answer your question. The, the, the first personal experience that I can recall, uh, yeah, this is having with the Lord. Uh, I was about five years old. Um, yeah, about five years old. My my father was pastoring at that time, the Saint James Second Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Cleveland, Tennessee, and we were having a revival. Now, I only remember two people coming to do revivals um, when we were in, in Cleveland. One was uh, Mary Bailey, um, the late Reverend Mary Bailey, and the other one was Roosevelt Ball, and this go around, it was Roosevelt Ball who came to do the revival. And um, he was preaching about the relationship between Naaman and Elisha. And uh, I can't recall everything that he said, but he, he when he got to the part of his sermon where he actually took Naaman uh, to the Jordan and dipped him in the Jordan. When he got to that last dip, something came over me. I cried um, uh, profusely, and nobody could really comfort me. Um, I know that I wasn't sad, and I wasn't angry. I was not upset, but I really couldn't. I, I, I couldn't explain what had happened and what was happening. Um, I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't talk to my parents about it because it, it didn't make sense to me. Um, and surely at that age, I was not gonna make sense to them. Um, although I was wrong about that. Uh, <laughs> they, when, when when I finally did have this conversation with them, they knew exactly what had happened. And by that time I knew as as well. So that was the Holy Spirit working on me. My grandfather, the late Frank Lee Hudson, and and pop as well um oftentimes will tell people that the lord has had um god's hand has been on me for a a long time um since birth or if you want to be biblical uh while i was in the womb (laughs) as as god tells jeremiah and as 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 they have told me (laughs) you know those old preachers always go back to to a Bible verse and, and, and they preach it like, you know, a 30 second sermon while they trying to give you some advice, you
0: know? <laughs> now you have to so, be careful. We're becoming those old preachers. I know,
1: I know, <laughs> I know. I, I catch myself, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, uh, they, they told me, well, why are you, why you you in the womb before you knew you who you were before you were formed? Uh, the Lord had his hands on you. So, so, but, but I have come. To, uh to, to, to know that that was true TJ so for me that first encounter with the Lord even though I did not understand it I did I couldn't explain it at the time years later it proved to me that the lord has always been with me um, and that has been an incredible comfort for me um, all of these years that my my earliest some of my earliest church Memories. I'm sorry, some of my earliest memories are the church. And then some uh, among my earliest church memories is this one. Hmm. And there was another one I played Rudolph in a Christmas play, but that that didn't have
0: any bearing on my life. (laughs) (laughs) It was part of the journey, but not a faith journey.
1: (laughs) You know, you're a preacher's kid. They just put you in all kinds of stuff. Got some lipstick, colored my nose red, and sent me out there in front of all the other reindeer. Well, could have been traumatic. Now I think about it, but uh, I don't think it had much of a bearing.
0: (laughs) Well, the positive is you—you were able to be the lead reindeer. I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could go with that. Okay, that's prophetic too, huh? That's That's right.
0: (laughs) You were carrying the light.
1: (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, those are early, early memories of, of, of the Lord and I and, and um, our relationship on my end, uh being aware of it. I've always believed that the Lord has relationships with us well beyond our memory and our understanding even. Um so when we are whenever we talk about our relationship with the Lord, we're really to a degree talking about it from our angle. Um, i met the Lord. Yeah. You met the Lord, but the Lord knew you before you met the Lord,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that type of a
0: situation. Well, and sometimes that self-reflection, um, mm-hmm. looking back is like, ah, those aha moments, I didn't know yeah, it yeah. or realize it or could articulate it then. But looking back, I'm like, oh, that's what all this was about. That's how things came together and couldn't, couldn't name it. Then couldn't even speak yeah. it.
1: Yeah. No, no, not then. But but here, but here we are.
0: You've mentioned your mom and dad. Uh, are there others who've had a great impact on on your journey of faith? Well, TJ, how long is this podcast? I mean, we, <laughs>
1: man, uh, how much time do we have? Don't we have to have dinner? I mean, come on. <laughs> there have been many. I mentioned Reverend Bailey. I did not know that there were people in the world who did not believe that women could preach and pastor. For years, I didn't know that because of Reverend Bailey. Now back then we called her uh, Reverend sister, Mary Bailey, but I I had no idea. And um, uh, she would come and she would preach and I would watch the church respond to her On one occasion, she came and preached a a, a revival that lasted a week, and the church asked for her to stay another week. And she called her husband and said, I won't be back. I got to do another one. And we had a two week revival, you know? So um, uh, she was influential um, in my life. Uh, Mentioned uh, Roosevelt Ball. Roosevelt Ball is still influential in in my life. He he looks at me um, as a son. Roosevelt Ball and Robert Earl Thomas, the late Reverend Robert Earl Thomas, taught me that you can be a preacher and still have fun. Hmm. You can be a preacher and laugh and joke and play because uh, my father didn't become fun until he became a grandfather. Uh, and when that happened, we still don't know who this dude is. I told him several times, I said, my real dad is coming home one day. And when he does, you got to go. I don't know who you are all this money you're giving away to people who are shorter than you are, I don't know who who you are. So, But yeah, Roosevelt Ball, Robert L. Thomas, um, very influential. Um, the founder of, of, of this church, the Lake Highlands Presbyterian Church, um, the, the late Reverend Robert E. Shelton, was a mentor extraordinaire for me. Uh, you, I tell people, a lot, a lot of people think that my father gave me a lot of my pastoral care Lessons. No, it was Robert. Ir- it was Robert Shelton, Robert E. Shelton, who did that. I learned a lot from this man, and continue to learn a lot from him and until the day the Lord called him home. Uh, very influential uh, in my life. Um, let's see, uh, India Scruggs. She's a, a mama in the ministry to me. Uh, love her to death. And then, of course, a, a dear friend of both of ours, Stan Wood. Stan, um, a lot of people don't know this, but Stan is actually my godfather.
0: Oh, okay. um,
1: and he he tells people a lot of times, because he baptized me, he tells people all the time that I laid my hands on him <laughs> and <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, Stan, I wouldn't, I, I don't remember that. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, Stan and my father were. Uh, and still are very close, very good friends. From, uh, And you all know the story. Pop integrates Bethel in 61, and then Stan comes to Bethel in 63. And uh, of course, from Bethel, they both go to Memphis Theological Seminary. Uh, and then, of course, Stan goes on to be just a, a blessing um, uh, to the Cumberland Presbyterian Churches 10 times over. Um, very influential people. Now, these are the—I mean—all these folks I have mentioned are ministers. Helen Nichols, the late Elder Helen Nichols, was uh, a huge blessing in my in my life and to my family as well. And then, uh, although he's a minister too, Frank Ward, Frank and Linda Ward, mm-hmm. uh, my camp years—I I cannot explain a, a, and can't thank them enough. Especially Mama Linda. Mama Linda used to be on us, <laughs> you know me and and their son Michael we all preachers kids and we're true preachers kids we're the ones that you hear the stories about (laughs) 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 and and, uh mama linda would come and take us out of chapel at cpyc that's how rough some things (laughs) were you come on come here come here So, uh, but yeah, yeah, these, these individuals and, and so many more, I mean, so many more, these are all Cumberland Presbyterians that I have mentioned, but there are many other individuals that have been blessings in my life and have helped to guide, um, where I am right now. And I did mention my parents, but I think that's without needing to say.
0: Sure. Yeah. So earlier I was joking half joking about um stand up comedian R&B singer which is not a joke is true but thinking about that time maybe of your... it is a joke <laughs> <laughs> no, thinking about well, it was that...
1: supposed to be a joke but maybe it had
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead to uh, you yeah, sure
0: uh, thinking about uh, about that time uh, your faith journey obviously has changed, made turns, traverse in various areas and ways. How has your faith journey, and how has your faith been strengthened and grown over the years? You're oh, obviously sure. not the same person um, you were when you were in your 20s.
1: No, no, no. I... You're only in your 30s now. Well, TJ, <laughs> we never said you were a whiz in math. We never said. <laughs> <laughs> you got the same problem my wife has she thinks she's still 29 she keeps telling people i'm like your driver's license says something else baby it does no 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 I, let me tell you um, preaching pastoring was not my goal mm-hmm. i wanted to to, to to actually i wanted to to take arsenio hall's place that's why i got in the stand-up because i wanted to be a late night talk show host that was it and um, and I left stand-up to sing with some friends. Uh, but my goal there was still Arsenio's job. Um, I figured this is what I'll do. I'll I'll be in some we'll, – we'll make it big. I'll be in some videos. I'll do some funny stuff in some videos that would put me on a sitcom, which would put me in a movie, which would get me to Arsenio's chair. I mean,
0: <laughs> that <laughs> was – You a
1: goal. That, yeah, I, I always have those. But, yeah, that was the <laughs> – That was the thought process. But the reason behind that was I saw how hard pastoring was. Um, It it, it hit me in a rough way. Uh, Long story made short, there was a woman in the church who was um, out to destroy my father. And um, her goal was to do so through me. And she had um, hatched a plan that included me um, getting caught in a very dangerous spot. And it would bring shame on my family. And I said, if you got people like that in the church, I going not have no part of that. Mm-hmm. If you if you got to pastor folks like that, you got to still act like you love them. You got, <laughs> when they get sick, you got to go see them in the hospital and they treat you this way. Mm-mm. I don't want to have any part of that. I'll, I'll figure something else out, you know? And and I figured that comedy and, and R&B singing would be a great way for me to not do this. Um, I was, convinced that um, you couldn't find God in those places. And I was wrong. God was at every show. (laughs) Every single show. There was one night I was trying to do stand up and and this was the joke. The joke was uh, about Fat Albert and the the Cosby kids, the cartoon. Mm -hmm. And and how kids in the hood um, always cuss. They always cuss. So I had written out my jokes filled with cuss words. It was going to be the bluest material I had ever done. And got on stage to do those jokes. And none of those words, literally none of those words could come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'm fighting, I'm fighting. I'm, uh, uh, my brother's got the video somewhere. I'm fighting trying to push those words out and they won't come out. So I'm like, yeah, God was there every night, <laughs> every single night, you know, God never missed a show. Um, uh, drunken hecklers, uh, one night I thought I was gonna have to fight and uh, God was there. <laughs> you know, so so um, here's the thing though, whereas I was trying not to do what I'm doing, it was always God's plan. And um, as, as, as Romans teaches us, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and called according to God took all the crazy stuff that I had to deal with uh, trying to be a stand-up comedian, trying to be uh R&B singer, singing in nightclubs. God took all of that crazy stuff and made it a part of who I am so that I could preach the gospel so that I could pastor. I was preaching someplace and a baby just kept crying, wouldn't stop crying. And, uh, and unfortunately um, for the, the, the mother in this church, there was no place for her to go. Um, either she had to leave the, the, the church because there was no narthex, uh, there was no, no foyer, nothing like that. You open the front door to the building and you're in the sanctuary. There's no place for her to go. Baby cried the whole service cried all the way through my sermon. And, and she came up to me and she apologized profusely. And I told her, no, don't worry about it. You know, the, the, the line that we oftentimes give, which is, oh, it's, it's a sign of life in the church. That's what, we, <laughs> that's what it is, it's life in the church. Somebody else came up to me and said, how'd you do that? <laughs> I said, you don't understand. Uh, if you can do a 10 minute set with a drunken heckler who doesn't stop talking no matter what you're doing, this drunk person keeps saying something. If you can handle that, you can handle a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said babies are easy. <laughs> it's the person that if, if a baby were to stand up and try to walk around in the pulpit with me, there'd be an issue. But babies don't do that ty- typically. You know, so so all of that stuff. And then then crowds. And I and I say this not to 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 be boastful but just to be honest it's rare if if i'm afraid of a group of people when it comes time to preach it's it's rare um and usually if i'm afraid of a group of people it's because of what i know i'm getting ready to say (laughs) 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 it's not about the size you know Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, and I'm comfortable. Um, I've had, I preached in front of large crowds before I have preached in front of small crowds before I'm comfortable with, with all of them. That stuff is, 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 is what I had to deal with, with comedy and with nightclub singing and, and crowds, uh, because sometimes we were a part of a benefit and you're singing in front of who knows how many folks, um, Steve Harvey, back when I was doing standup, Steve Harvey had a uh, a comedy club here in Dallas called the Comedy House, uh, which would seat close to 400 people. And the first time that I performed there was on an a, a open mic night, amateur night, Deaf Comedy Jam was actually auditioning people. And I didn't know that's what was going on. And the place was packed. And I had a really good set. Uh, matter of fact, every time that I performed there, things went really well, some other places they didn't, but there things went went really well, but it was always packed. And uh, and comedy a, is, a, is a, a different kind of animal. Um, I mean, it's really just you against the world, mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, if you tell a bad joke, you got to figure out how to get them back. Um, and if you tell a great joke, you got to figure out either if you're gonna leave on that joke or if you're gonna run the risk of trying to ride that wave. You're all by yourself, there's no coach out there. There's no help out there. You know, It's you and, and, and people and hopefully laughter. And, um, and it, it's really scary uh, when it's a bunch of folks because the worst thing is to have 400 people just looking at you and you're trying to make them laugh. You know, so, so the Lord took all of that stuff and um, used it to help me uh, to become comfortable. Because my prayer, when I when I finally got past all the, the, the crazy things that I thought the church would do to me, based upon that one incident when I was when I was a teenager that this lady was trying to do um, against our family. When I finally got past that, and I, and I told the Lord that I, I would I would I would serve, um, I prayed. the lord would allow me i said if if you want me to preach then this is what i want i want to be able to preach the way that you would have me to preach and anywhere you want me to go i said there's no limits here wherever you want me to go and um uh sometimes i wonder if that was smart um was a smart (laughs) prayer because i've been to some places uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but nevertheless um I'm I'm not uncomfortable. Mm. Uh and and I think a lot of that is due to the fact one that the Lord never left me. Um, all those crazy stand up shows and nightclub singing, the Lord was there at the club. <laughs> 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 the Lord was there, you know, when I was all that stuff. Um the Lord took all of that and, and made it a part of who I am, which has enabled me to be comfortable wherever I am. And uh, and and then and then then TJ, this is and this is Pop. Uh, Pop taught me how to trust um, what the Lord gives, how to trust it. If it if it comes from the Lord, then there's a purpose for it and don't act like um, you know more than God does, you know. which is one of the things that I tell a lot of the the students that I work with, with the POS program. Uh, I said, preaching is God's business. Um, You're never gonna know more about preaching than the Lord knows. So what you have to be able to do is just to be willing to share what God has. And that's what the Lord wants, is, is for you to be willing to share what God gives you and then to be astute enough to adapt and adjust as the spirit moves.
0: Mm.
1: So you can't get stuck with um, uh, the one hymn before a sermon and one hymn after a sermon, and this is how this goes. You can't get stuck there because the Lord may have you go call to worship, sermon. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to preach right now. Well, Lord, we got to do announcements first. We got <laughs> no. That's not what the Lord said. You got to be able to adjust. And there's a there's a, a minister here in Dallas named um, uh, Dr. Freddie Haynes who who says this a lot of times. And, and some and I've quoted him with this as well. That while you're preaching, sometimes God gives you something hot off the press, and and, and you've got to be able to recognize that. Oh, I need to say this now, right now, instead of saying. Um, uh, maybe later or not at all, or you, 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 there's already spiritual warfare when it comes to preaching. You don't need to be in a fight with the spirit. <laughs> you need to be obedient, you know? And so pop said, you got to trust, you got to trust what, what God gives you that is right
0: mm-hmm.
1: and go with that. And, and that's what I try my best uh, to do. And these other experiences have, have allowed me to become comfortable in whatever setting I'm in. So far, uh, I've not preached on the moon yet. So <laughs> and I'm not so certain that that was coming. <laughs> but so, so but, but have, nevertheless.
0: So you have mentioned you know, that God has never left you alone. What is it about the Christian faith that keeps you coming back that keeps you identifying with God?
1: This is going to be a, a very interesting answer. and I'll, I'll try to explain it. Um, there is no better option. There just isn't. Um, now don't get me wrong. I've not been out there, you know, trying different things, <laughs> but <laughs> but when I think about different things. I'm like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I would never survive with that. I I can't handle that. Um, This is this is where I'm supposed to be. Okay, so here, here are some of the things that that hold me. The biggest is my calling. If I am not certain of anything else about parent rights, I am certain that I've been called to do what I'm doing. I am a preacher and I am a pastor. At some point in my life, if the Lord sees fit, I will retire from pastoring, but I'll never stop preaching.
0: Hmm.
1: Right now, my father is is legally blind. He's basically homebound. Uh, He doesn't mind having visitors, you know, and, and, and he still preaches, still preaches. He'll call me and he'll say, hey, you remember that part in the Bible where it says, and and he's off. <laughs> he's gone. He's doing it, you know. Or he wants to talk about a passage and he can't re- quite remember it the way that it it goes. So he'll call me and he'll give me bits and pieces and he'll say, "Call me back when you have it." I go find it. I call him back. I read it to him. He's gone. <laughs> Never stops preaching. And and I have known um, probably hundreds of old preachers, they're all the same. My mother tells a great story about a, a, a dear friend of my grandfather's up in Detroit, Michigan, who was a retired pastor, who would, uh, and, and up in Detroit, my, my grandfather lived in in um, uh, a subsidized brownstone. So he lived on the top part. Somebody another family lived um, on, on the bottom. So whenever we would go visit, Granddaddy, we always had to climb stairs to get to to his his house. So mama tells a story about um, this old preacher who had retired, um, maybe had been forced into retirement and would come to see my grandfather at least once a week, um, but never would ring the buzzer or none of that kind of stuff. He Somehow or another, the door was always open and he would stand at the bottom of the stairs and he would just holler like he was preaching. just holler, throw out a great big old hoop or something, just holler. And my grandfather knew who it was, and he would send my mama to open the door and let him up. Mm. Now, my grandfather loved preaching, too, and he died when I was 12 years old. And and, um, I think about him often because uh, he would have loved the fact that I was preaching. Uh, The fact that my brother is also a preacher, Um, he would have loved it. Uh, He loved my father, and he loved to hear pop preach.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, My grandfather ran that church up in Detroit. (laughs) uh, St. Paul Cumberland, Frank Frank Lee Hudson was was serious. He was a founding member up there. He was serious about that church. And whenever we went to visit him in Detroit, my, my pop always preached. And it's probably because granddaddy said so. He would, my son's going to preach today. He would tell the pastor, my son's going to preach today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's shift gears for a minute. And I want to ask you, you know, we're, we're early in the new year and we're in a new decade. Mm -hmm. And where do you see God working in the world right now, Perrin?
1: I think missions is huge it very well may overtake much of what we do because we are now, our younger generations, the world has become much smaller for them uh, thanks to um, the internet specifically. Um, well, my kids, I'm sure your kids as well, my kids have friends all over the world, places that they've never been, places that they may never go and, and they, they're, they're learning um, stuff, which is, I think is pretty cool. Um, but because of this, because of the fact that we, that we actually have access to so much, we're also seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot of poverty, a lot of destitution. Uh, we're seeing a lot of heartbreak. We're seeing a lot of this and we live, um, Let me put it this way. The church has been equipped to do much more than what we do. We've been empowered to be more than we portray, more than we display. Um, We're not just a a, a three hymn, one sermon, collect an offering, group of folk. we, we, we need that, we need worship, we need corporate worship because corporate worship fuels us. Um, we give it to the Lord and the Lord places in us what we need to move forward, which includes direction. But missions is going to really play, uh, it's, it's gonna define who we are. Now, the danger of, of this, TJ, is just the simple nature of, of humanity. We compete against each other and and we create games that we don't need to have. So the church down the street has a a soup kitchen and your church does not have a kitchen at all, but you can't afford to let them have the soup kitchen. You go get a hot plate and (laughs) and some extension cords and you say, we got a soup kitchen too, you know, that kind of foolishness. Mm-hmm. Um, the church, uh, the, the modern church, has succumbed to this, and is very dangerous. This is uh, when, when the scripture talks about um, the enemy coming to steal and to destroy, to devour. Um, that the that the enemy is clever and crafty. These are the tools used um, that get us distracted, so that our intention is never what it should be. Our intention is self-serving rather than being selfless. So when we, when we come to the conclusion of how important missions is going to be to the church, we need to be careful to not be tempted to fall into that type of a snare. And, um, and many of us are going to fall into that because it is uh, unfortunately a part of our nature uh, to do so. So, uh, but yeah, I I think missions is gonna play a very significant role in in what we do. We'll we'll see it involved in worship, we'll see it as a component in Christian ed, we'll see it uh, in many different ways, uh, some unimaginable right now. And the reason for that, the reason for that is because just as a society or as the world in general, we really do like um, having people in a lower class. We're doing as, as all that we can to make sure that we keep that. And for that reason, there is going to be the need for the church to step in. Now, the church needs to get out of that. And, and we're we're, we're uh, perpetrators of this as well. Um We have a class system (laughs) within the church, um, which is is destructive and divisive, but it is there. Um, And and I'm speaking of the church universal, of course. It is there um, and it's it's dangerous. So we need to get out of that. But society is going to have a Dickens of a time getting out of that. Because, and, and that's the biggest ism that we have. I know everybody wants to say, it, no, it's racism, it's sexism, no, it's, it's terrorism, no, it's, it's homophobia, it's this, that. No, it's, it's classism. That's the one. Because classism transcends everything. You can be a rich gay person who hates a poor gay person. Or a poor gay person who hates a rich gay person uh that's what classism does so as we're come as we're fighting against classism, we're going to see it in many different areas and the way that the church will be able to minister is going to be through missions hmm. i believe i believe
0: I hadn't, you know thought of a phrase i hadn't thought of before we'll have to dig into this in another <laughs> setting but the sin of competition because that competitive nature that you mentioned beforehand yeah actually is kind of a foundation for that classism.
1: Absolutely.
0: Sin, Absolutely. It's sin a of competition where everybody loses.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing when you can see uh, two football teams at the end of the game uh, sincerely congratulate each other. Somebody has just lost the game. Somebody has won. Yeah, But they're, they're still fans of each other. They're friends with each other. Um, that's a special moment to be able to to witness. The challenge is, of course, the reason why I think that <laughs> is easy is because all of them are making millions of dollars. So win or lose, I still get a paycheck. Yeah. Now, yeah. for you and me as fans, it's an entirely different situation. Uh, we we wrapped our whole life up into this competitive thing, and it's it is dangerous. It's dangerous because in where we are today, it's not about defeating; it's about destroying mm-hmm. in our political system. Um, I remember hearing stories of Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill having lunch together. You would never see that happen with our political, our current political structure, because it, it's the the competition is so intense, so toxic. It's about crushing someone.
0: So it's and more than just winning. It's about true no, no, destruction no. of.
1: No, no, it's it's the it's the simple fact that I need to make sure that you don't come back next week. You know, it's it's that type of uh, it's that type of a thing. That's
0: injury, um, injury, harm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, right. it's
1: it's it's taking you out, and and it is horrible when the church plays a role in this. Mm-hmm you know
0: so let's expand upon that so you see god working through missions in the world today and the complexities that come with that so parent what what aspirations do you have for the church uh in this new year and in this new decade and you could that can be the local church that can be your many presbyteries and many <laughs> your many. Yeah, your, the, the three denominations that you currently serve with. Uh, but what are your aspirations for the church?
1: One of the challenges uh, that the church has and one of the reasons why this competition thing is the way that it that it can that it can be is that there's not as much unity as we want to Um, pretend that there is with the church. One of my favorite movies as a kid um, that I can only remember so much from was uh, old George Burns movie called, Oh God. George Burns and John Denver. And in the midst of one of their dialogues, John Denver asks, George Burns plays God and John Denver asks says, well, um, he says, "Why do we have this kind of church and that kind of church and this kind of thing and that?" And God's response is, "I don't get involved with denominations." Uh, of course, the language then was was um, masculine, patriarchal. And he says, "That's that's man made stuff." Well, yeah, yeah. Um, the church is splintered, uh, and I don't think that was the intention when the church was created, that we would have such deep disagreements, entrenched disagreements that we would splinter off and become this, that, and, and the other. Um, we, we tried, we have tried um, with the colonial Presbyterian Churches uh, to bring about unification. Um, and it's it's been difficult, it's been a challenging effort um, and we've had, um, I, don't, I don't know what the final tally is at this particular point, but it, it's, it's looking bleak um, that that is going to take place. But here's the, here's, here's the issue. A house divided can't stand. How do wolves get sheep? How do foxes get chickens? they run in the middle and they scatter the flock so that at some point or another a sheep is going to be isolated a chicken's is going to be by you know by itself somewhere and that's the one that you go get i don't think we paid enough attention to who we are as followers of Christ to see that we got foxes running through here we got wolves running through here and it's got us splintered got us Somewhat scattered, and many of us are growing weak, and we are dying off, and and it's it's hurting the church as a whole, uh, in in my opinion. So what I would hope for is is unity. Uh, let's let's find some common ground and begin to work with that. That's the first thing I would hope for. Then for the church to become truly a beacon of light and not a a judgment chamber we've kind of sort of i think lost our way there we're sending a whole bunch of people to hell <laughs> we we have decided who is not going to get in <laughs> and,
0: And And I really don't think,
1: yeah, I I really don't think that was um, our responsibility. Um, (laughs) From what I've been able to read, I don't think that's supposed to be our call. But that's exactly what we what we've done, Um, and that too is dangerous. Um, I I think whenever we try to take um, away God's responsibilities. Or, what God does, whenever we try to take that on ourselves, we fail Um, harshly. We feel it's kind of like it's it's a lesson that's in there, you know, that God will allow us to fail and fall so harshly, so hardly that we can't help but to get the the message. You know, we shouldn't have been doing this in the first place. Yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have been doing this. And in the first place (laughs) you know so so um first of all we, we need to find a way to to come together um second of all um we need to begin to affirm each other more now i'm not saying that we don't call each other you know um out on when we do wrong i'm not saying that um but we don't do it from the standpoint of judging someone or, and what I mean by judging is, is deciding uh, their eternal resting place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, if, 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 if you see me walk into a department store and I, I, I stuff uh, three shirts in my shirt and walk out and don't get caught, TJ, I would expect you to come and say, parent, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You can't do that, that's wrong. You need to take those shirts back or pay for them or, or something. You you, you can you shouldn't. So I'm not saying that we don't call each other out on, on stuff that we do along that line. But what you could have done, TJ, you see, you know who I am. You see me with three shirts in my shirt that I've just taken from a department store. You could have run and grabbed a police officer and say, hey, that guy has stolen and he needs to be locked up. You know, those people who do those kind, that kind of thing, they all need to be, Thrown in jail and 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 uh, no possibility of parole and when in love you could have handled the situation
0: mm-hmm. accountability between you and me yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: and 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 we need to be able to extend that okay so um, unity uh, uh, unity and 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 then um, stop with the judging now this is what works in in both of those if we do this the way that i believe and hope that the lord would have us to do it the whole concern that we're involved in right now with social justice goes away it goes away because we cannot help but to see each other as valuable as worthy You can't help but to do that. I don't want to be united with somebody that that I don't care for. Well, if I want to be united, then I got to care for you or I should care for you. My ability to, to, my desire to not judge you is out of love. It's out of love. So, so the, the whole area of social justice and, and this is the kicker, you know, um, um, because of class and, and classism extends, it, it really does extend beyond economic um, um, uh, territorial lines, it extends beyond that. But because of class, we're, we're quick to be able to to limit each other, or limit a group, or limit uh, anyone. And, and that that we run into a problem that's there in, in that regard. Now, the problem is here. It is here. We, we do have racism. We do have sexism. Uh, we do have homophobia. Um, We do have xenophobia. Um, We've got all of these things that are are really hurting us at this moment. Uh, And what I mean by at this moment, in some cases it's been hundreds of years. This moment has been a very long time. And the church has done very little because the church, I'm sorry, because some of us um, within the church and then some churches have found it to be more beneficial to them to be splintered. Lions don't often go after the larger wildebeest. The larger wildebeest oftentimes are, are safe. And unfortunately, they don't often look after the weaker wildebeest or the smaller wildebeest. But what the larger wildebeest doesn't understand is that after all the smaller ones are gone, who do you think the lion's coming after now? (laughs) Who's the lion coming after next? Uh, This is one of the reasons why I think that when Jesus speaks of the least of these, um, when did we see you in prison, Lord? When did we... I think this is what Jesus is, to a degree, what Jesus is talking about. It's the relationship that we have with each other and how we see the value and worth in each other. And there's a struggle. There's a struggle that's there. Okay. I hope I made sense. I know I jumped <laughs> from spot to spot to spot.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I asked with you with all of that. <laughs> I asked you, about but it is—it's—it's—it's
1: it's, it's multifaceted. It is. It it's, is. it's not as simple as, as I have uh, tried to explain it in the opening. Uh, there's a lot of layers to this um, that the church is responsible for. But I do believe that if we begin to function missionally, um, we have to see the value in each other. We got to see the worth in each other. We got to be able to, to, to love and trust that others see the value in us
0: and I appreciate your your deep thoughts and your sharing, your faith journey. Where can we continue to follow you?
1: Well, uh, right now a lot of stuff that we're doing at Lake Highlands Presbyterian Church um, we're streaming on uh, Sundays at 10, but we have a, a YouTube channel where you can catch a lot of things that we're doing.
0: Okay.
1: Um, we actually have a a worship a third worship experience that's called hilarity which, is an offering to God through humor. And uh, it's me and a a few folks here that I find very, very funny. One of which you know very well, uh, the Reverend Leanne Kerner. And many of you all may know Leanne. Uh, We're having a good time. So all of that can be found on our YouTube um, channel. And then of course, it can also be found on our website. And then I'm on social media, uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter um, and and be careful because I will, I will, I will share my stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've told a lot of people cause you know, a lot of people want to, uh, they want to follow when you're a pastor, they want to follow you and this kind of thing. I'm like, are you sure? Because you're going to get a lot of, a lot of things when you follow me. You're going to get a lot of comic book stuff. You're going to get a lot of Dallas Cowboys stuff. You're gonna get a lot of uh, why parenting is 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 rough stuff. Uh, you're gonna hear me asking for five dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So for those who are listening, you've been warned. It's the sharp tongue of a comedian and the physicality of a newly black belted parent uh, yeah. and taekwondo. <laughs> yeah, <Parent. laughs>
1: yeah. That's per- been fun.
0: i appreciate your time thank you for sharing your journey with me and absolutely gj and for everybody who listens and thank you for listening to today's podcast grab a friend and travel with me on our next journey down cumberland road